you so much for your worship. And uh, it makes it a lot easier to preach when people are responding. January is a, uh, a fun month in some ways. Some people have to pay off all the fun they had in December. I hope that's not you. hope you planned accordingly and you can not have to stress as much in January. Did you know that in January, or at least you know the ending of December and January, did you know that's when the fitness clubs make up the majority of their annual profit is what happens in January. I hope you do that. Um, I hope you exercise. I hope you do good. I have to, if I do, and it's very rare, but if I exercise, I have to kind of exercise early in the morning before my brain wakes up and tells me I'm an idiot. And uh, somebody else said that they uh, enjoy long walks, especially by people who annoy them. I have flabby thighs, but fortunately my stomach covers most of it. There is one great advantage to exercising, and that is you'll die healthier. And someone else said, if you're going to start to try cross-country skiing, I would advise you to start with a small country. Do you know that walking will add length to your life? It will. It's a scientific fact. That will enable you at 85 years old to spend an additional five months in a nursing home at $5,000 a month. Somebody else told me their grandmother started working or started walking five miles a day when she was 60. She's 97 years old today and they don't know exactly where she's at. Someone else said that they joined a health club last year, spent about $400. They haven't lost any pounds because apparently you do have to go there in order for that to happen. How many of you have, have or will make a New Year's resolution? Anybody brave enough to lift your hand and say, I've got a New Year's resolution? Here are the top ten New Year's resolutions. The first, lose weight. The second, get organized. The third, spend less or save more. Fourth one is to enjoy life to its fullest. The fifth one is to stay fit and healthy. Number six, learn something exciting. The seventh largest or the seventh most uh, uh, Res, you know, most used resolution is for to quit smoking. The eighth is to help someone in their dreams. Number nine, fall in love. And the tenth, top New Year's resolution is to spend time or more time with family. They say that 45% of Americans will make a resolution and they say that 8% will achieve the resolution that they uh, had. But it is an important thing, and I, I, I'm, I'm, str- I'm going to struggle a little bit today because I don't want it just to be a motivational speech, but there are some things uh, that we ought to, to, to use during this time. Uh, they begin to do a study, and they said that someone who makes a resolution are ten times more likely to meet the goal than someone that did not make a resolution. The reason is sometimes it just has to start with your desire and want to change. Now there are some that just one day wake up and and they haven't really planned it and they'll achieve their goal, but for the majority, you're going to have to just kind of make it up. These, uh, I I know that that we could take today and make it so much about the New Year's, but here's the thing, you're going to walk into the New Year's, God willing, whether you like it or not. 
You're going to do whatever you do today. You could go home and take a nap and sleep all day and all night, and you're still going to wake up in 2018. Or you can do something fun and go to a house and have a New Year's Eve party and enjoy it and, and I mean celebrate it and get all crazy when, it, when that clock strikes midnight. Either way, you're going to go into the new year. It's this time, this ending of the year, the new year, it, it, it spawns within us a wide range of emotions. I, I open this service by saying it forces us to look back and it also causes us to look forward. Now, before I get all spiritual, let me tell you a few things that will happen today. Uh, in Spain, and these are what I have found. Now, if, if somebody is from any of these countries and I'm wrong, I apologize. This is what my research said. I've not been there. haven't seen it. But in Spain, they say it's customary for the Spaniards to eat 12 grapes, one grape at each stroke of the clock at midnight, and that will bring them good luck. I want to go to Denmark. One day, me and Sister Buford have to go to Denmark because they ring in the new year by throwing old glasses and plates at the doors of their neighbors' and friends' houses. That's got to be awesome. They also will get on chairs and promptly at midnight, they will all jump off as a group and they say that if you leap into the new year, it will banish the bad spirits and bring good luck. Now, obviously, I don't believe in luck, and I don't know that any of these are going to do any good, but they sure ought to make for a fun night. The, uh, the, in Japan, they'll hold forget-the-year parties where they tell their problems of last year and their concerns goodbye. In South Africa, it's said that the residents of Johannesburg throw old appliances out the window. Be careful if you're on the second floor or walking underneath. <laughs> Some of the Filipino families in the Philippines will eat 12 fruits at midnight. In Russia, they will write down a wish on a piece of paper. They'll burn it and they'll throw the ashes in a glass of champagne and then drink it. That's got to taste nasty, but I guess it has to make the wish come true. In Ecuador, they have a custom of making scarecrows. They fill the scarecrows up with newspapers and pieces of wood and dress them up and they go outside and they burn the scarecrows at midnight and it scares away the bad luck. But tonight, across the, the, the United States, whether they're watching it on TV, although we have other things in, in, in other cities, but they will drop the New Year's ball in Times Square. The one I believe right now is made of crystal. It weighs 1,070 pounds. It's six feet in diameter, and it's going to drop, and we'll be watching that, or you'll be seeing it. Any of you do a, uh, this is what my family used to do. Any of you eat black-eyed peas and cabbage on New Year's? We always did that. If you ate the cabbage, it would bring you green money. If you ate the black-eyed peas, you'd get uh, a blessing. I've eaten it all my life, and it's not necessarily come true, per se, but. It sure is good. But there is something about looking forward. And I want to, to uh, I, I want to, I've got two kind of places in my message. The first one is, I'm going to tell you something I've read from Jim Mooney. Jim Mooney had a formula he liked to share about starting over uh, in a new year. And, and he has an acronym, and I'm going to use that, and I want to, kind of go through those each of those letters, and then I want to end it with uh, of some verses in the Bible. But I believe that you and I need to take time today to decide what we want from next year. What is it that we need from next year? And I'm going to tell you that if you're going to start, S-T-A-R-T, Jim Mooney says the first one is S, stop 
making excuses. Now, lest you think this is simply a motivational speech, lest you think I'm just trying to, you know, kind of talk, I want you to realize that if you want to do something different next year, you've got to stop making excuses for what happened this year. It's a problem that we have in society. You got to quit blaming other people for your issues. You got to quit blaming circumstances. You have to quit being a victim of your circumstances. I know that hurt is is in the world. I realize others can hurt you, others can harm you, but at the end of the day, it it's you and you alone that will determine what you decide to do next year. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 says this. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth or forsaketh them shall have mercy. Another version of that says this, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful, but if he confesses and forsakes them, he will get another chance. I like fresh starts. I liked it when I was in school that that you, you had quarters. Because if you did bad the first quarter, you had a fresh start coming the second quarter and you could pull your grades up. I like fresh starts. And I want to tell you today, and I believe it with everything that's within me, God is a God of fresh starts. God is a God that looks at you and says, if you'll just get serious, if you will stop blaming others, if you'll stop making excuses and just pay a close attention right now, you can have a fresh start. Fresh start. But it's more than just kind of starting over. It takes, there's a lot of pride that you and I have. It's hard to get people to admit that they do wrong. When's the last time you looked at somebody and you were serious and you said, I made a mistake? When's the last time that you owned up to what was happening? But God says this, if you'll confess your faults, he's gracious to forgive you. See, we always like to tell the sinner they need to repent. They need to be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost. We like to tell that to them. But when's the last time you, saint of God, knelt down and you begin to repent of your sins and you begin to repent of your failures and you begin to repent of your problems? The Bible says that it's pride that leads to destruction. And one of the greatest things that exists in saved people is an arrogance that says, I'm okay it must be somebody else's fault. But you've got to start, or rather stop making excuses. Don't give up. There's not a person here that's walked through 2017 unscathed by sin or by uh, 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 temptations. But I've watched way too many people that something happens and they just throw in the towel and they give up. I messed up. See, a lot of you are going to do a diet. You're going to start a diet and you're ready to go. And for the first 24 hours, you're going to do really good on that diet. And then you're going to find that piece of pumpkin roll that you had been saving and you're going to mess up and fall off the wagon. And some of you will say, well, I messed up. I can't get back on it. supposed to be funny, but I guess it's hitting a little too close to home, so if the shoe fits, wear it. But Proverbs 24.10 says this, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Another version says, if you give up when trouble comes, 
it just shows that you're weak. Just because you, you fell off the wagon, just because you sinned, just because you fell short, doesn't mean you give up and throw it all away. But this is a moment where you can look back and say, I've seen where I've, I've hit the rough patches. I've seen where I've hit the bumps. But I want to stop making excuses, and I'm going to take responsibility, and I'm going to go forward. Start. He goes on to say that the T represents to take an inventory of your life. Paul said in Galatians, he says, Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? Again, another version, another translation says, You've experienced so many things. Were all of those experiences wasted? I hope not. I think it would do good somewhere today for you to take inventory of your life right now. To look at everything that's gone. When, when a trial or a temptation or a test or something came, what did you do? What did you have left when it was over? The Living Bible, and I don't always use that version, but it says of this verse, it says you've suffered so much for the gospel's sake, are you just going to throw it all overboard? If you recall, I preached a message called Life and I gave you over a series of, of sermons, I gave you four things that we go through trials and we go through temptations and we go through trespasses and we go through troubles and the trials, those are the things that God gives us to make us stronger and the temptations are those things that come from the devil and the trespasses are those that come from others, they hurt, they, they wound us and the troubles are from our own, our own flesh. God uses those experiences to help mold us, to help shake us, shape us. And we've got to take an inventory and see what's going on. Somebody said that when you start to take inventory of your life, you've got to ask yourself three questions. What have I learned? I was reading this, Brother Don, and this made a lot of sense. Someone said they know people that are 40 or 50 or 60 years old but they don't have 40 or 50 or 60 years of experience. They just have one year of experience that they live over and over and over again. Nothing ever changes. Nothing ever gets better. Nothing ever grows. Can I tell you the very definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Some of us, myself included, you need to take inventory of your life and come to the Lord and say, God, I've been doing it my way for a lot of years and nothing is changing. What do I need to do different this year so that this time next year I can say my life has been touched by God presence don't do the same thing next year that you did this year especially if it didn't work what have you learned what about your assets someone said what do you have going for you what about your health what about your freedom are you still mentally sound do you have friends do you have a church family do you have the Lord and I think that if you'll start looking at what you have you'll find it's far greater than what you don't have David said this, and David, his life is played out in the scripture probably more than any other individual in the Bible. David had a lot of problems. David had a lot of circumstances. But David still was able to say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. You got to just start looking in it. Can I just, can I help someone? And I know maybe I'm just giving you 
uh, little bits here and there, but can I just help somebody today? You need Jesus. I can't stress it enough. You need Jesus. I'm thankful for every counselor. I'm thankful for every doctor. I'm thankful for every financial planner. I'm thankful for all the help that you can find in this world, but they will never take the place of Jesus, and you need the church. I get frustrated when the going gets tough and the first thing that somebody throws away is the church and Jesus. And then they wonder why their life never gets any better. They don't throw away your job. They don't throw away their friends. They don't throw away their family as as easy as I've watched people throw away the church. Listen to me. Let me help you out. When the going gets tough, when the struggles come, when the temptations are there, when the sin is present, you need the church more than you've ever needed it before. You need an altar more than you've ever needed it before. You can look and say, I've got somewhere I can go, and the answer is going to be found within the pages of God's Word, and the answer is going to be preached across the pulpit and when I worship the Lord is going to be with me you need Jesus that third part is you need to act in faith it's the third step for the getting a new start see Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 according to your faith it will be done unto you now I want you to be very careful that you don't You don't twist. Just like I said, we can't get something better than the Holy Ghost that's already in us. You can't get a better faith than just simply believing in God. Faith is not a magical bean that you can plant and it just grows a money tree right out the door. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. It was the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried who they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful. And he would ask those that entered, he would ask them for alms. And who seeing Peter and John was about to go into the temple, he asked of alms. That man had a faith that those coming in would give him something. His faith was in his begging. His faith was in the generosity of those that were coming to worship. But Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And the man gave heed unto them, here's the key, expecting to receive something of them. He had faith that they had money. He had faith that because they were good spiritual people walking into the synagogue or the temple that you know they'd feel sorry for him. He was asking for something. He expected to get it. But the reality was he got something far more than what he expected. Because Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold. But what I do have, there is something that does make a difference. See, too many times we ask for something, but we really don't have the faith that God can come through. I've noticed this the more that I, I'm older, and I've even seen it in my, in my own life. We believe that God can heal. I just don't think He can heal me. We believe and we thank God for every financial blessing that he helped someone else, but I just don't think he can do it for me. And so we get to the place where we stop asking because we stopped expecting. One of the greatest ways that you would stop expecting is when you keep saying, poor me, life is unfair. Guess what? You're right. Life isn't fair. 
There's not a chance that life is fair. But you have to just keep going forward. And you have to keep putting yourself in the presence of God saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. I read something very interesting, and I, I, we're, we'll get to, uh, in the middle of January, we're going to let everybody get back from all their vacations, and then in the middle of January, we'll, we'll give you more, a little bit more information, but we're going to do a, a time of prayer and fasting and consecration, and we're going to have some special uh, 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 prayer meetings or services for it, but I read this the other day, and, and, and it, it just kind of spoke that fasting is absolutely useless if you don't spend time with God as well. There's a lot of times that we look at fasting or spiritual disciplines, but really all you're doing is just not eating. Because fasting is not going to change God's mind. Just because you don't eat doesn't mean God suddenly is super attentive to your needs. But what happens is when you fast and when you spend time with God, your flesh is denied and you spend time in the presence of God and your faith grows, and here's why, your faith grows because you get to know God better. You're not using God as some magical talisman. You're not using God as some fairy godmother, but you get to know God and your faith grows. Some of you need to get in contact or reacquainted, if you will, with the presence of God. If you're, if you're leaving it up to a Sunday morning, or maybe a Sunday night, or even a Wednesday night, if you're leaving that for your only time to be in the presence of God, you'll never find it the way you want to find it. The ones that find the presence of God are those that found it on a Monday and then came to church on a Wednesday, and they recognized him. You ever been somewhere, and later on, so I was, we were at Bass Pro Shops a couple months ago, and, and, and I, I don't know, I, I had one of the kids, and, and, and maybe even one of the, the cousins, and we were looking through the new museum that was there, and, and I was just, had all my mind fixated on what I was looking at, and my wife after that, she told me, she said, uh, she said, Brandon, did you know Johnny Morris was standing right behind you? That's the, the creator and the, and the owner of Bass Pro. I said, no, I didn't. He was right there. I could have reached out and touched him, but I didn't recognize his voice, and I was too engrossed in everything else to realize who was behind me. The same is true when it comes to your walk with God. Too many times you don't know God is there because you don't have a relationship with him. He was right there. He, 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 he never left you. He, he was even speaking to you, but you hadn't spent enough time learning his voice. And so you missed it. So let me help you out. The R stands for refocus. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says this, Be careful how you think, for your life is shaped by your thoughts. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says that you need to be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Both of those tell me that it starts right here. I know as a Pentecostal, we like the, the goosebump feeling. We like the shout. We like, you know, God to shake us. But what I have found becomes far more powerful than what you get in a shout at church is when you kneel down and you make up your mind, Lord, I want to get to know you. I want to know you, even if it takes knowing you in the fellowship of your suffering. I want to know you in the power of your might. I want to know who you are. I want to hear your voice. Lord, I'm going to refocus my thoughts from thinking about poor old me and realizing that you have the ability to touch me. 
And the last one is trust. Trust. Trust that God will hear you when you pray. Trust that God will be there. That you don't have to depend on yourselves. You can trust Him. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, and and I'm paraphrasing, it says you're not going to succeed by your own strength or by your own power, but the only way you're going to succeed is by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, I I was giving you an acronym from somebody else that that I found to, to start. Stop making excuses. Take an inventory of your life. Act in faith. Refocus your thoughts. And trust God. But I want to take you to a verse of the Bible that I read that I read, and I want you to turn there if you will. I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 43. Because I want to show you what, what I really believe God wants to do in each of our hearts today. I've given you kind of a, 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 a outline, but let's take it and let's let get, get spiritual. Isaiah chapter 43, and I'm going to read a lot of this, so I want you to stick with me. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and that formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When you passeth through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, and Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the past and gather thee from the east. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the the earth. Even every one that is called by my name, I created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled. Who among can declare this? Who can show us the former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is the truth. You're my witnesses, saith the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be any after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and behind, behi- beside me there is no Savior. I've declared and I have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. You're my witnesses, saith the Lord, I am God. He goes on in that chapter to talk a little bit about what was happening, but I want you to look at verse 18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will make a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Or the positive of that statement is, and you shall know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It's very simply this. The Lord said, I have done some great things in your past. If you look at Israel's life, he was saying, I brought you through the promised land. I brought you through the Red Sea. I've walked you over the Jordan River. I've done some great things in your past. But he also looked at Israel and he said, but I have seen a lot of sin in your past. I've seen a lot of failures in your past. 
And I've seen a lot of consequences of those sins. There's armies that have come and they've taken you captive. They've come to destroy you. Yes, you've angered me. Yes, you've saddened me. But this is what the Lord says. That's the past. I know it's, it's New Year's Eve and I know we're in a holiday coma and I understand all of that, but you better listen to me right now. There's a lot of you that need to hear the voice of God look at you on on December the 31st right here at about 11.08 and you need to hear the Lord look at you and say the past is the past I'm going to say it one more time just to make sure you get it the past is the past you've had victorious experiences and you've had crippling uh, 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 things that have destroyed you but the past is the past the Lord says I want to do something new today see it would be easy for me to preach this message to those that have been wounded and hurt those that have have had a lot of experiences that are negative in your past and and I would say leave those behind it walk in the presence of God but let me talk to those who you've had in your past a lot of miracles and you've had in your past a lot of blessings and I am thankful for everything that God has done but you've got to quit living off of the failures of the past and you've got to quit living off the blessings of the past and you've got to live for God and let God do something new right now the thing that hinders a church more than anything else are those that exist in the good old days that existed a long time ago and you failed to see that God wants to move in your life right now. 2017, it might not have been all that great. Or perhaps you started strong and everything was good but somewhere along the lines you stumbled and you failed. It's okay. It's a new year. And God wants to do something new. Something new. The book of Lamentations chapter 3. And I'm not going to read it all, but you can, you can read about the first 20 verses or so. It talks about all the bad things that, that has happened in Jeremiah's life. That, that I've seen affliction I've been in darkness I felt like God had his face against me and wasn't listening to me I felt like I couldn't get anywhere when I tried to walk my way was enclosed my paths were crooked he goes on to just kind of really give a good pity party if you will woe is me I'm I, I it lends itself today because tomorrow is a new year and it's easy to talk about a new year and all of that but I want to tell you that even if it wasn't December 31st if it was July the 22nd I could still preach this message because of what Jeremiah said in the book of Lamentations he says uh, this I recall to mind therefore I have hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great he is thy faithfulness the Lord is my portion saith my soul therefore will I hope in him the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him back in 1965 there was a song I didn't realize that this was kind of a serious song in fact I didn't realize that it even reached uh, the, the top of the charts even 
Anybody ever hear this song? I thought it was just a kid's song, but it must have been fairly serious because they had a lot of fun singing it. I'm Henry VIII, I am. Henry VIII, I am. I got married to the widow next door, and she's been married seven times before. Everyone was a Henry. She wouldn't have a Willie or a Sam. I'm her eighth old man. I'm Henry. Henry VIII, I am. You say, Pastor, why would you ruin the sermon by doing that? It's because as a child, I remember singing part of that. I didn't know the whole song until I looked it up. But there was one ver- or one, one, one line that kind of jumped out to me, and it's the line that says, second verse, same as the first. Never changed. It's one of those cool songs you sing in the youth van on the way back home from Congress over and over and over, the song that never ends, you know. I don't know, sometimes the Lord speaks to me a little weirdly. But today in my office, right before church started, that song came to mind. I don't know why. But that one thing, second verse, same as the first. Then all of a sudden, I just felt his voice say somebody needs to realize it's not going to be the same as it's always been. If you'll learn to sing a new song. Some of you have lived your life like that song. 2018, it's going to be the same as 2017. Tomorrow's going to be the same as it was yesterday and the day before. And you've never learned to let God lead you into the new uh, uh, the paths and the new places. It's not going to be the same. If you'll let it, sing a new song. Let your faith be renewed. Let your hope be renewed. Put your trust, put your hope, put your faith in God and watch Him lead you. He says, it's a new day. I'm going to forget the past and I'm going to let you step forward. I'm going to forget the good and I'm going to forget the bad. And I want you to let this year be a brand New Year. Would you stand with me right now? A new year. So I'm going to ask you, in fact, our musicians, or or at least the rest of them are coming up here and they're getting ready. It'd be a good time for everyone here to get out of your seats and just begin to take, I want us to end this last service of this year as a church body around these altars. I don't want you to sit in the place you've sat all week, all, all year. I want you to get out. I want there to be something that just says I'm moving forward. I don't know that we can all fit here, but I want you to at least move forward from where you are right now. And as they begin to play and they begin to sing, I know you may want to sing the song, and that's okay, but what I'd rather you do is just even quietly, no one has to hear what you say, but what I'd rather you do is take an inventory of your life. And then I want you to give that to Him. I want you to give to Him everything that happened this year. I want you to give to Him the hurts, the pains. I want you to give to Him the victories. I want you to give to Him the sin. I want you to give to Him all of that. I want you to repent. Say, Lord, here I am. And God, you told me through your word that you were going to let all that be in the past and that you were going to do a new thing in my life and you were going to lead me into a new path. And then I want you to let God speak to you as only he can. As they play, as they sing, would you just begin to have a conversation with God?